This is Carol McLeod, and I'm thrilled that you've joined me on A Jolt of Joy on the Charisma Podcast Network. I love the Bible, and I love the richness and the practicality that it brings to our lives even today, thousands of years after it was written. Well, I am beyond excited because today we'll begin a brand new series titled, Meanwhile, Meeting God in the Wait. I'm especially thrilled about this series because it's taken from my new book by the very same name, Meanwhile. Meanwhile is the story of Joseph of the Old Testament, but it is also the story of all of us who've had to trust God during the long and frustrating waiting periods in life. I believe that this series, Meanwhile, will change your life and will strengthen you in your walk with the Lord. So meanwhile, we've all experienced a meanwhile in life when faced with frustration and the unique pain that endless waiting provokes. Sometimes a meanwhile can be a mighty long and challenging mean while. But I can assure you that for every meanwhile in life, there is a God who is strategically laboring behind the scenes to work all things together for your good and for His glory. If God is requiring you to wait in a meanwhile experience, be prepared to receive more than you could ask, think, or imagine. The story of Joseph will convince you that when God is involved, He turns all of our meanwhiles into miracles. He can take the most devastating moment of your life and turn it into your finest hour. He uses our problems, our meanwhiles, as the building blocks of His miracles. And that's why you can trust Him. So Meanwhile is an in-depth Bible study on the life of Joseph of the Old Testament found in Genesis chapter 37 and then chapters 39 through 50. Oh, we all love studying the New Testament, don't we? But the importance of studying the people of the Old Testament, their customs and challenges and victories cannot be understated. The Old Testament presents dynamic truths that will enable us to live wholeheartedly today for Christ and for His kingdom. There are many stories in the Bible that have the eternal power to touch a deep and tender part in each one of us, and the story of Joseph is such a story. I've long been fascinated by this coddled young man who was bullied by his brothers, sold into slavery, was sexually harassed, and became the second most powerful man in the ancient world. Joseph has always been my favorite Old Testament character. And as I have encountered days of devastation and loss, I've often asked myself the question, I wonder what Joseph would do if he were dealing with this trauma. I'm convinced that as we study the story of Joseph, you will realize that the God who worked behind the scenes in Joseph's life is the same God who's able to do a mighty work on your behalf. When we allow God to be involved in the writing of our stories, He can turn all of our meanwhiles into miracles. Our loving, omnipotent Father can revolutionize the most devastating moment of your life and help it become your finest hour. Now, I'll admit, the circumstances of Joseph's life seem almost too contrived and too improbable to be true, but true they are. Joseph was a victim. He was a victim of circumstances, of family dysfunction, of slavery, 
of unfair accusations, and of sexual harassment. However, none of these adverse and undeserved conditions impacted the ability of Joseph to walk in his destiny. And my friend, you are the Joseph of your own story. Situations, relationships, abuse, and rejection work against you, but that will never determine your God-given destiny. No matter what you're going through in life, and regardless of how Satan has attacked your family, know that God is at work behind the scenes of your life. What the enemy meant for evil, your God will certainly use for good. Now, the story of Joseph is told in the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. Genesis is part of what we call the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Bible. Traditionally, Moses has been seen as the main author of the Pentateuch. Now, I can assure you that Genesis is not merely the beginning of the Bible, but it's also the foundation of the Bible. The historical accounts that are revealed in the book of Genesis set the stage for all that is to come for the people of God, even in the New Testament. The themes in the book of Genesis lay the infrastructure for all that is yet to come between the miraculous and eternal pages of the Word of God. Whenever I study the Old Testament, I always like to share this verse from the New Testament, Romans 15, chapter 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. I believe that all of that instruction, endurance, encouragement, and hope will take place in our lives as we study the story of Joseph found in the book of Genesis. You know, I've often wondered if the Holy Spirit were to write about my life, what details would he include? It's a fair question, isn't it? Would the Holy Spirit include the escapades of my teenage years? Oh, I hope not. The details of my romance with a wonderful man of God? The years of depression and infertility? Would the Holy Spirit tell all of God's people in all of the epochs yet to come about the early morning hours when I read the Bible with my dad? Perhaps the Holy Spirit would recount the first time that I heard God's voice and the Sunday evenings that I spent at the altar as a child. It is a sobering thought to ponder what particulars the Holy Spirit would deem impressive or important enough to transcribe for the entire world to see. This is what we can be assured of. The Holy Spirit included every detail of Joseph's life that was necessary for us to be instructed in truth, in perseverance, in encouragement, and in hope. The Holy Spirit knew specifically what you and I would need to learn from the story of Joseph. So let's dig in. Genesis 37 verses 1 and 2. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned, in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. So this is where Joseph's story begins in Scripture. But where does your story start? Maybe before you were even born. 
Maybe your story began with an unwanted pregnancy, and maybe your whole life, the word unwanted has described you. Maybe you were born into a home with an alcoholic father or an alcoholic mother, and your formative years were filled with yelling, screaming, blame, and abuse. If this describes the opening chapter of your life, you've probably always believed that you were unable to make anyone happy. Maybe you were a girl when your father made it very clear that he'd always wanted a boy. If this parental disappointment sets the stage of your life, you have surely wandered around in the murky fog of lost identity. Now, I hope that you were loved unconditionally from the first moment that your besotted mother held you in her arms while tears ran unhindered down her young cheeks. I hope you were raised in a household of faith and can say with me, my home life was not perfect, but it was pretty wonderful. However difficult the foundational years of your life might have been, know that nothing is wasted by your creator. He can take abuse, scandal, addictions, and disappointment and turn it into something wonderful for his kingdom and for his glory. You were not forgotten, nor were you ever alone. Let me read to you some of my favorite verses in Scripture found in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. For you, God, formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Let's go back to Joseph. Genesis 37, 1 and 2. Let's review. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. So a little bit of uh, the lineage of Joseph's father, of Joseph's family here for you. Joseph's father was Jacob. Now Jacob was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. And Joseph was the 11th of the 12 sons of Jacob. Joseph was the firstborn son to Rachel, who was Jacob's favorite and dearly loved wife. Now, as we read Genesis 37, 1 and 2, many theologians believe that Joseph, even though that he was 11th in birth order, was actually in charge of the flock and of his brothers, although he was only 17 years old. Although Joseph was younger than his brothers who were with him, apparently Joseph had been placed in charge by his father. And Joseph, as the one in charge, was expected and even encouraged to make full reports concerning the behavior and work ethic of those under him. The syntax in this verse implies the verbiage, Joseph was shepherding his brothers. You can see that Joseph's leadership skills were honed even from his boyhood years. He was doing in his formative years what he would be called on to do in his adult life. Joseph had learned this skill set even as a young man in Canaan to lead 
in spite of improbable situations and over dubious followers. In Joseph, we meet a young man who is rare at any moment in history. As we observe Joseph, no matter what his living conditions were, we see a striking combination of grace and power. Joseph constantly exhibits amazing self-control and incorruptible purity. Oh, to be like Joseph. Now, for some reason, Joseph brought back that bad report about his brothers to his father. Joseph observed some type of behavior while in the field with his brothers, of which he knew his father would not approve. And so Joseph did what a good leader must do. He took it to the top. When there is compromise or poor work ethic among a group of laborers, the boss must always be informed. And Joseph simply told the truth to his father. He had a commitment to righteous living that was preposterous to his brothers. Okay, I have to make a confession to you before we go any further in the study of Joseph. First of all, I love to read. I have often self-diagnosed myself as having a reading addiction. I read morning, noon, and night. I'm addicted to that five-letter word, books. And in addition to my addiction to books, I've acquired yet another habit of which you just may not approve. I always read the last chapter first. It's what I do. It's true. Before I decide whether or not I will read a book, I always read the final chapter at the beginning of my journey into the storyline. I do this because I love a happy ending. And if a book does not conclude with good triumphing over evil, I don't have time for it. This sister does not have time for it. Perhaps you've surmised what we will do right now in our story of Joseph. We're going to go to the end and read his story right now. Now, before you throw rotten tomatoes at me, reading some of the final verses of Joseph's story will remove the suspense of what God was doing through the meanwhile of Joseph's young life. I hope that it will also encourage you that although you don't know what the end of your story will look like yet, you can be assured that God is working behind the scenes just like he was for Joseph. So let's flip to Genesis chapter 50 and read verses 18 through 20. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. The phrase that we're going to linger upon is this one, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Upon this one phrase, from this one scripture in the Old Testament, lies the theology that will change your perspective of life forever. Remember that Genesis is not only the beginning of the Bible, but it is also the foundation of the Bible. The truth of Genesis 50-20 is so fast and so deep that upon it lays a significant portion of our theology. No matter what you endure in life, and regardless of how high your disappointments have piled up, God is at work behind the scenes of your life. When Satan attacks you, God is still on the throne reigning over every event and is able to create a masterpiece of good in you and through you. If you can hold on to that phrase, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in the story of Joseph, hang on to that phrase for just a minute. 
we're going to add to it another scripture that will cause the words of Joseph to literally come alive in your life. The scripture we're going to add to it is a well-known one, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. The word translated as plans is the Hebrew word makashaba, and this ancient multi-layered word can also be translated as thought, device, intention, purpose, invention, imagination, or artistic work. Okay, that was Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's go back to Genesis 50, 20. Joseph, when he looked at the wrinkled faces and the paunchy bellies of his brothers, decades after they sold him into slavery, used a term that came from the root word makashaba when he said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Makashaba. God can take anything that anyone throws at us, no matter how evil or how abusive it might be, and he can makashaba it for our good. God will never allow anything into our lives that he is not able to makashaba for a greater good and for a redemptive plan. He is able to transform the schemes and plans of the enemy into something wonderful. That is your destiny, my friend. You serve a God who can makashaba human pain, disappointment, mistreatment, and wretched abuse into something so glorious that it will preserve many people alive. You can be assured that the story of Joseph is going to end victoriously and even magnificently. And I can also assure you that because of the God that we serve, that your story will also end victoriously and magnificently. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. What if the good that Jesus was working in your circumstances was to make you more like Jesus because he predestined us to become conformed to the image of his son. What if that is the good that the father works in all of our adverse living conditions, that he's creating us into the image of his son? You know, whenever I read a great novel, not only do I read the last chapter first, but I also try to imagine who I would be in the grand story. In The Sound of Music, I'm always Maria, always. In Pride and Prejudice, I am Elizabeth Bennet. And in Gone with the Wind, I am definitely not the self-centered Scarlet, but I am the overlooked and sweetly strong Melanie. Well, in the historical account of the life of Joseph, you are Joseph. I am Joseph. We could almost replace our names uh, with his name in every place, in every situation, and in every relationship in the Bible. I believe that as we read the Holy Word of God, that there are at least three ways that we can read the Bible. And perhaps you've heard me say this before. First of all, you can read the Bible theologically, which is for the express purpose of learning more about God 
and more about his flawless character. If you read the Bible theologically, you're intent on one principal focus. I must know the God of the Bible. The second manner in which you can read the Word of God is historically, like a history book, knowing that every event happened and that every person actually lived. The third way to read the Bible is to read it personally. When you read the Bible in a personal manner, you discover that every promise, every principle, and every lesson was meant for you. If you were the only person in all of recorded history to open the sacred pages of the Bible, the Holy Spirit would still have written it for you. Science tells us what we are made of, but only the Word of God tells us what we were made for. Let's read on in Joseph's story, Genesis 37.3. Now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than all of his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a very colored tunic. When we read this verse in a personal manner, we realize that God, the Father, has an intimate and favorable relationship with his children. And so he blesses his children beyond understanding. Joseph's doting dad, Israel, also known as Jacob, provided a unique tunic for his favorite son. From the highly descriptive Hebrew language, we learn that Joseph's tunic had long sleeves that went past his wrists and also traveled all of the way down to his gangly adolescent ankles. This colorful jacket was also highly decorated. You could see this teenage boy coming a mile down the dusty road. Joseph's tunic represented Joseph's intimate and favored relationship with his dad. Now, your heavenly father, because he loves you so dearly, has also provided a special tunic just for you, just like Jacob did for Joseph. Your garment is multicolored and is extraordinarily beautiful. The world should see you coming as you walk through storms, challenges, and disappointments in life. Your garment is representative of your intimate and loving relationship with your heavenly father. The garment that you've been given to wear throughout all of life is a garment of praise. You are dressed in and completely covered by the Father's love for you. The very first recognizable trait that others should observe is that you are blanketed from head to toe in your worship of Him. According to Hebraic tradition, the tunic that Joseph had been given by his father signified two values, leadership and royalty. The garment that your heavenly father has given to you represents the same two values. You are a servant leader because of your heritage in Christ, and you are deemed as royalty because of who your dad is. Let me read to you Isaiah 61 verse 3. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. You are completely covered in and identified by the garment of praise that the Father has given to you simply because He is head over heels in love with you. The garment of praise was specifically given for times of mourning 
and fainting. It is at those difficult moments in life when our garment of praise should cover our lives completely and should be what the world around us is vividly able to see. The prophet Isaiah reminds us that when life is the most devastating, it is at that moment when our praise should be the loudest. The Father knows what you and I often ignore. The only way to survive deep tragedy and undeserved pain is through the discipline of worship. Waiting well through all of our meanwhiles in life is an act of worship. It communicates our complete trust in our dad who loves us so dearly. Remember, you serve a God who turns all of your meanwhiles into miracles. If you enjoyed today's teaching on a jolt of joy, I'd like to encourage you to buy a copy of my most recent book, Meanwhile, Meeting God in the Wait. This book is available on my website, carolmccloudministries.com, Amazon, Ironstream Media, and wherever books are sold. Also available are the eight teaching videos to enhance your study in this rich look at the life of Joseph. The video teaching series is available at carolmccloudministries.com and at ironstreammedia.com. I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to email me at carol at carolmccloudministries.com. We love to pray for everyone who connects with us, so be sure and send me your prayer request. I want to remind you today that when you choose Jesus, you're choosing joy. His will for your life is an inexpressible and relentless joy. Don't ever doubt it. And as always, I dare you to choose joy.